Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. The impact of people's leaderships and what they were able to do in the world is so dependent upon their level of presence and their level of self-care and we forget about this and so when we're not paying attention to ourselves when we're not giving ourselves that minute when we're not taking a breath to just get present to see what's actually here right now and what's real and when we're not setting ourselves up with like the food that we're eating our sleep our meditation our exercise when we're not doing that, there is no way we're in our best resource state. So when something crappy happens, we're going to react and we're going to want to go crawl back in bed beneath the boundaries of whatever we're going to do. Hey, U-Turners, it's Ash here, and I'm so excited to present to you Anise Kavana today. We are having her here to talk about how to be contagious because let's face it, a lot of us are put in different situations at work and in life, and it's difficult to be magnetic, to be memorable. And this morning alone, I was having kind of a rough morning just talking to her about all of that. And she was just talking about the resilience and the contagiousness that it takes to bounce back. So I'm really excited to ask her about the four P's of burnout five steps to making an intentional impact, and also her contagion factor formula along with so much more. She's an award-winning speaker, advisor, teacher, and thinking partner to some of today's most innovative organizations and business leaders. And in addition to that, uh, she's also created something called the IEP method, which I'm going to ask her about. She writes a regular showing up column on Inc.com and contributes to other publications like Huffington Post, CEO.com, and she also has a book out right meow called contagious you so anise thank you so much for being here with me you are such a joy already (laughs) ashley thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to just talk to you today yeah you you. know you've got a lot of information out there and i'm really excited to just kick off with the iep method like what is that and what got you interested in all of this work No, great. Okay, so the IEP method, IEP stands for Intentional Energetic Presence, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It's being intentional about the energetic presence you bring to anything you do. And so, you know, you're walking into a room, you're walking into a job interview, you're walking into a feedback conversation, you're walking into have a tough conversation with your kid or your spouse or whatever. It's really being conscious about what is the energy I'm bringing into this? What are the intentions I am holding as I bring this energy and how present am I? And I found that when we put those three things together and we're really conscious and intentional about how we're showing up, we're better able to create the impact that we want to create. 
Okay, this is helpful. And you mentioned that there's a few key components for this IEP method. And the first one that you'd kind of brought up was the ability to reboot your presence in the moment. And that's just so funny and ironic, given that, you know, guys, before we started recording, I was just telling her how grateful I was for her energy, because one of the interviews I recorded this morning, I just didn't have chemistry with the guest. And it felt like so tiring every line of the conversation <laughs> and usually I wouldn't air an episode if I can't get along with a guest which is so rare but it they were a great guest and they had a lot of good things to say I just felt so depleted and uh, so Anise can you tell us a little bit about like how do you reboot and how do you cultivate that ability or even know if you have it yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, you're, and you're bringing up a really good point because the whole, the whole thing with the entire method is there's the three components. So the first one's the reboot, which I'll come back to in just a second. The second one is the ability to build a strong energetic field, which supports your reboot. So that's important to, to mention here. And then the third one is the, the ability to create intentional impact, which we can talk about in a bit. But here, here's what's super, super important. So you had that morning and you and I, we were laughing because you know, you've had your morning. I'm in Northern California right now. I have no power. We're going on day two. It might be up to five days. My food is melting. My Wi-Fi is gone. Like it's just been a real adventure. So we were laughing about how important it is from a leadership standpoint to, you know, literally two hours ago, I was emailing you basically and saying, okay, how do you want to do this? Because I'm not sure if I'm going to have Wi-Fi. And yet you and I both completely rallied. And to me, the rallying is a result of continuous reboots and also actually being really committed to the impact we wanted to create together today. Mm. And so that's a really important part about this reboot piece um, because here you have this funky morning and you have this experience with this, with this guest for whatever reason, your ability to take a deep breath, go, all right, hold on a second. What just happened? Okay. How do I want to show up right now? Do I need any support in this moment to, to attend to whatever just happened. Okay, no, I'm okay. I'm going to reboot. Now I'm going to step forward. I'm going to be with Denise and be fully present. That is one of the most important leadership skills that we have is wow. that ability to actually reboot. You know, yeah. I think a lot about that because um, I know before we started recording, we didn't talk too much about, um, I, I used to work in national security and mm. that was like the biggest gauge for who they would hire because, you know, there's so many things, especially if you're an intelligence officer out in the field collecting human intelligence. It's like, there are so many circumstances, people that you could come across where it completely throws you off in your nervous system. And yeah. the, it's, it's like, for death. Like if you are indicating that you are thrown off, it puts questions up, you know? And, um, sure. so it's all about being able to reboot. That's a lifesaver literally. And I know in business, when you have nervous energy and you can't reboot from having an off morning, it really affects your morning. And then I also wonder, Anise, how do you navigate though, being human with that? You know, cause like sometimes it's time to reboot other times it's time to cancel your meeting and like sit with your shitty sure. morning. So how do you kind of navigate that dynamic? For sure. Well, and, and you're, you're bringing another really important point because that energy that you just talked about, like if you're having a really crappy morning and you go in and you bring that energy to the next one, that's contagious. Mm. So, so there's an, there's a leadership impact that's happening. If, if we're not able to notice, you know, this is the human part. If, and I'll use myself, if I've just had a really, really rough morning and I am not in the uh, physical, mental, or emotional space to go in and lead my team, it's a leadership responsibility for me to be able to catch myself and have that awareness to take a really deep breath, get really present to what I need right now, and then to make that decision. So mm -hmm. a lot of times what I find when I work with people is sometimes it's just, you know, 70% of this work 
is awareness. Mm. The minute I have awareness that I'm overwhelmed, that I'm, I just had a shitty morning, that I'm not feeling good, that I'm triggered about something. The minute I have awareness, I now have power because I can take a breath and I can, I can check in with myself and see, okay, Anise, what do you need right now? And so that awareness is 70%. The other 30% is what I decide to do with it. So in the case where like, let's just say, let's just say before this call, right? So, you know, something chaotic happens and I go, oh gosh, I don't feel like being on this call anymore. Well, that is one option. Uh, Most often we don't have the luxury of just bailing on our meeting or our leadership conversation or our talk if we're giving a talk, right? So there's, there's a couple different options. One is... I can just simply reboot and make an agreement with myself that whatever happened before this call, I'm going to take care of myself after this call and get the attention and care that I need. Mm. So let's just say like, um, I had an argument with my sister. Okay. Well now, am I going to cancel on you five minutes before the call? Cause I'm in a bad mood. Cause I just had a rough morning. No, I'm not. So, but I'm also not going to ignore myself. So this is where, um, I use, I call it the energetic xylophone, which is where I can go. All right. I'm right now. I'm at about a three or a four on my energetic xylophone. My energy is not really positively contagious right now. However, I'm going to get on a call with Ashley right now, and there's a bunch of people that I want to share this content with, and I want to have a positive impact. So my human side is going to go, all right, Anise, rough morning, take a breath. What do you need to do for yourself right now? Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it's going to be reboot and make a promise that when you and I are done with this call, I'm going to go and I'm going to call my friend my sister, my therapist, whatever I need to take care of myself so that I really nourish whatever got triggered this morning and set me into that tailspin. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think a lot about some of my friends who also own businesses and it's so crazy working in the influencer space because there's such a blend. Like one side of the blend is the content provider who has so much to say and they happen to build an audience through content. And then there's another side of the influencer space that it feels like it's the person who learned how to get somebody to make hit the follow button, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I've been around a lot of different people working in the business of content creation and generation. And, uh, I was recently at a conference and I saw someone who was having a really bad day in business and she sounded so reactive. Like she just wanted to pull the plug on things. Yeah. And it just got me thinking like, wow, how much does our reactivity rob us of what we really want to create? And I'm wondering like, what do you think it is that gets people so reactive? Like what's the root of that? Yeah. I I think, I think it's because we lose presence. Mm -hmm. I think it really boils down to a lack of presence and also a lack of self-care. So that's the the second part of the methodology is around building up a really strong energetic field and foundation so that you, you have such solid energy that you know, when you're triggered and you're in a reactive state, Mm. you know, so with with your colleague that you're talking about, I mean, I've, I've seen that I've been in that position. I mean, I think any of us listening to this or in this conversation right now can relate to something happens. You're just like, Oh my God, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do this. I'm going to shut this down. Like whatever the reaction is. And Again, that's where that moment of pausing and taking, just taking a minute to go, okay, wait, hold on a second. How am I doing right now? What do I really need? Okay, wow, I am devastated. You know what? I need a day to go be devastated and really give myself full permission to crawl back in bed, eat a gallon of ice cream, do whatever I need to do to take care of myself so that 
I can come at this problem or whatever's going on from a more clean space versus a reactive space. Mm. Um, what I find is that the more we, the more time we spend on our self care. So like my, we didn't talk about my background, but my background actually, I started as a kinesiologist way back when, which is working with the body and the, the main reason I got into this work originally was to help people take better care of themselves mm. because I saw that the impact of people's leaderships and leadership and what they were able to do in the world is so dependent upon their level of presence and their level of self-care. And we forget about this. And so when we're not paying attention to ourselves, when we're not giving ourselves that minute, when we're not taking a breath to just get present to see what's actually here right now and what's real, and when we're not setting ourselves up with like the food that we're eating, our sleep, our meditation, our exercise, whatever, when we're not doing that, there is no way we're in our best resource state. So when something crappy happens, we're going to react and we're going to want to go crawl back in bed and eat the pint of jerry, down and jerry's or whatever we're going to do. Um, so that, so that, that's a very long answer to why do I think people are so reactive? I think we've lost, or I think that it's very easy to lose track of presence and self-care gets put on the back burner. Okay. Well, this gives me a question that also relates to my week. I feel like you and I, Anise, are just going to work out my whole week right now together in front of everybody so on YouTube. Excited. You're it's so sweet. great. You know, it's divine. It is it's divine. It feels yeah. like it. I, um, I was just having a moment this week where I've been going into so much alignment. I just submitted my book manuscript to Hay House and I felt so full writing this yeah. book in my heart. And, um, I also just recently started being with the right guy for me. And so I think there's just Yay. so much alignment happening in my love life, in my career, in my health. I just started eating Yay. healthier that I'm starting to become more sensitive to the things that don't feel right for me. Yes. And what I'm noticing is that, um, in personal development, the story goes that when you feel reactive or when you feel edgy or kind of touchy or kind of sticky, um, it's you, you know what I mean? Like when there's just a lot of it, you're the common denominator. Mm -hmm. You need to look at mm -hmm. yourself kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I've been noticing today is that, you know, and I was questioning that I thought, God, like I feel so edgy. Like there's a couple friendships I have where I really love the person, but something about it isn't feeling right lately. Um, there's a lot of work projects I have, but certain ones aren't feeling right. And at first I noticed myself thinking, man, something must be off with me. I'm the common denominator here. I feel kind of edgy and I, I feel kind of like a lot of nose coming up inside of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm looking at this core component of your IEP method. So first you said ability to reboot your presence, which I can do. But the second one is the strong energetic field. And what right. I'm noticing is maybe it's not that I need to, you know, um, really look at myself as far as like, why am I so triggered or edgy? Maybe the truth is like, I'm just so much more aligned in my energetic yeah. field. I'm becoming more sensitive to the things that aren't. So how does somebody figure out when they need to work on themselves and look at their energetic field and why are they so fussy or reactive versus, wow, I have a really sensitive discerning field. Do you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. I'm, okay. So I'm smiling ear to ear right now because <laughs> no, it's so interesting. You know, I have this conversation because so in contagious you, actually a humongous part of that entire book is based around what you and I are talking about right now, Amazing. because here's what I have. Here's, here's what I believe happens. I call what you're talking about. I call this the portal of purpose. So when we are totally in alignment, when we're taking good care of ourselves, mm -hmm. when we're present, when we're in alignment with the service and the contribution we want to have on this planet, 
when we are open to a little bit of magic and when we're willing to proclaim it, i.e. sending in a manuscript to Hay House, i.e. claiming the right relationship in your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, taking better care of yourself. When we get aligned within ourselves and the better and clearer our energetic field becomes, the more tapped in we are to uh, our intuition and also the more open the, what the portal purpose becomes. So those things, those five things have to be present in order to open the portal of purpose, which if you go through the portal of purpose on the other side is what I call exuberant impact, which is when you're really living your life clean, open, and totally in service of what you want to be in service of. Mm. So as this is happening, so, so, you know, to your career, like, do I look at myself or do I, I say it's both. It's noticing what's happening for you because as I don't see any negatives at all in what you just said, because here's the thing, as it's happening, you're going to become more in tune to, you know what, this doesn't feel like it's in alignment anywhere with who I want to be in relationship with people. This doesn't feel like it's in alignment with anymore with how I want to serve this. Actually, this behavior in my life that this person is bringing into my life over and over again, I've been tolerating it, but you know what? It doesn't feel good to me. And I'm realizing it's not good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there's the being, discerning and being aware of it and really honoring that and then the place to look at ourselves is then to go okay well what are the what's the communication i want to put in place what boundaries might i need to put in place what redesign if i have friendships i i, I when i was writing this book this book took me about it's, it's about a year process to really i mean you, you just finish this with hay house it's you know when you're doing all the editing and all the different pieces this took me about a year and yeah. i will say that writing this book, actually, in a lot of ways, this book wrote me. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that I was, exact feeling. I was learning so much as I went. And one of my mentors says that an author should not be the same person they were when they started writing the book as they are when they finish. If they did not change, if the book did not change them, they did not do their biggest work. Mm. And that really had an impact. Like that really stuck with me. And I will tell you that writing Contagious You, it changed me because mm -hmm. what I noticed is during that process, I got clearer and clearer and clearer about my own energetic presence, the field that I was building, the impact I want to have in the world, um, what, uh, you know, clearer and clearer about what my boundaries are, how, uh, you know, what feels in resonance for me and my field, like my self care got even better. So all of a sudden, old relationships there there's actually an old friendship I had that I actually we ended up completing our friendship because it was complete it was no longer the way that I can be in friendship and what I can give and what she wanted in friendship it no longer was in alignment and so there was a completion there you know that's yeah. what's so profound about that to me is still that question for everybody because I think there's so many people who listen to this that are personal yeah. development open like maybe they're not you know doing that whole deep dive like 10 day silent meditation I know most of yeah. you you listening haven't done that far kind of of an interest in it but there's so many people who want to self-improve and I find that you know I've learned so deeply in personal development self-help that if you're really reactive or sticky or you feel irritable kind of like you were saying you ha you have to look at yourself too um yeah. but I'm finding that the irritability is coming from continuing to subject myself to something that feels right. like a no Agreed. And so, and so then there, if you look at that, if you continue to subject yourself to something that intuitively feels like a no to you, then not the way that then you're not showing up for yourself mm -hmm. because you're letting something continue to not you that doesn't feel good, which doesn't mean that you have to cut it out. It doesn't mean there's a problem here. It just means get curious about, all right, this is not me. This doesn't feel good to me anymore. What, what changes do I want to make? 
because they're actually honoring me versus I need to change myself. I think that a lot of times with personal development in the world of personal development, people are like, I got to fix myself. I got to do this. I got to do yeah. that. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. I'm the common denominator. A thousand percent. We're all the common denominator, of course. And there does come a point where you, you want to really get honest about, all right, I'm doing all my work. I'm really conscious. And you know what? This actually doesn't feel good to me anymore because it simply doesn't feel good to me anymore. And that might be plenty enough of a reason to make the change. Yeah. It's not that we need to be fixed. Nobody needs to be fixed. Nobody listens. this. Nobody's broken. Nobody needs to be fixed. What we, what we need is actually a little bit more self-kindness in the world of personal development, I think. And a strong energetic field, which is your second point of these core components yes. for the IEP method. So anybody listening, I know you, you turners take plenty of notes. So the first ability um, that she talks about in these core components that we went through was rebooting your presence in the moment. And the second one, strong energetic field, building that. And Anise, I, I can't help but ask, what do you think some people are doing that keep them from having a strong energetic field? And what is somebody doing to have that? Like, if we could create those two pictures. Yeah. Great. Okay, so your listeners, um, I'll give you resources and stuff at the end of the call. Uh, but there's there's all sorts of tools that are in Contagious to you. There, there, I, there's, like you said, I've got a lot of content out in the world. But if you look at the IEP model, there's an actual model, and the energetic field that gets built or depleted by paying attention to four different things. The first thing is our physical and environmental energy. So um, just some examples of that, it, you know, uh, the way that we're eating is huge. Uh, our hydration, our sleep, um, you know, giving ourselves a little bit of me time, a little bit of white space, little tiny things like, so for example, taking a meeting from 60 minutes to 50s or even 45 so you can have an extra 10 or 15 minutes of your life back and just have a moment to yourself like that mm -hmm. actually is energetic hygiene mm -hmm. um you know uh, our physical environment is a really big one so if i walk into my house and i automatically feel exhausted because my house is a mess or my you know pantry has got it's loaded with ho-hos and donuts and all sorts of stuff that doesn't serve my physical energy I am not supporting myself and my energetic field by the way I've set my, my kitchen up. Uh, my closet, if I walk into my closet and it's a disaster zone and I don't feel good in the clothes that I'm wearing and my car's a mess and all that, every single one of these things, our physical and our environmental energy is having a tremendous impact on our energetic field every single day and we have huge control and influence over it. Mm. So that's the first place that is to me that's the lowest hanging fruit and even you know then people used to say well i don't have time to work out blah 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 okay i get it and i think it's a leadership to me self-care is a leadership skill mm -hmm. to me we can only you know it's like the plane's going down and they say put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put on even your kid because if you can't really help your kid if you're dead like that it's the same thing with leadership from a self-care standpoint if you're not sleeping if you're burnt out if you're eating bad food if you're not being nice to yourself, like all these different pieces, you are not in your best resource state. And therefore, you're going to be more reactive. Your decision making is going to be compromised. You'll be less patient, blah, 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 on and on and on. We could be here all day with this one quadrant. Mm -hmm. So I invite people. It doesn't mean you're working out five days a week and only eating whatever. It's I'm not even prescriptive about what I tell people to do. It's more of look at how your physical energy feels to you and how your environment feels. And mm -hmm notice how you feel throughout the day. And if you don't feel good, get really curious and start to look at, well, what am I putting in my body? And am I hydrating? And mm -hmm. wow, you know, I, I do watch three hours of TV a night and I say, I don't have time to sleep. Well, huh, maybe I might change that a little bit. So 
that's that to me is the low hanging fruit one. Mm-hmm. Also, um, diet. I mean, even I mean, it, yes, it feels sometimes like we're working so much we just grab or whatever's in front of us. I just started shifting my diet. It's it's insane. You know, like I took the yeah. um, food sensitivity test, which I know a lot of people are focused on allergies, but not a lot of people will go to somewhere to get a blood test where they can just find out not what they're allergic right. to, but what they're sensitive to. And I mean, I was just getting inflamed from like so many things that I eat all the time. Like I didn't know I yeah. had a sensitivity to almonds and I have almond milk every day. Um <sighs> So stuff like that has been really huge. huge. So, yeah, and I think it's called the MRT test. Have you done that, Anise? I haven't done the MRT. I've done I've done other food sensitivity tests. I I found I, similarly to you, Ashley. I was I was blown away. Like I I don't do well with gluten. I don't have celiacs. However, when I have gluten, I know I'm tired. And in fact, to be honest with you, I've never met anybody who's taken gluten or sugar out of their diet and been upset about it. Ah. Not felt better for it. You know what I mean. That being said, you know I like I have a daughter. My daughter loves her food as gluten-full as possible. So you know, but to each his own. But the point being is like there. I've taken food sensitivity tests and I've found them incredibly helpful. I also had like really random sensitivities to stuff I didn't expect, and when I cut them out, yeah, I feel a little bit better. So. I, I do really encourage people go get your food sensitivities, t- you know, taken. If you're having, you know, this is another place where I tell people get your hormones checked. Make sure if you're not feeling physically great, make sure that you're really doing. Like you want to make sure there's not a physical issue at hand. You know, check the food, check the check your blood, like all those good things. Um, but then also look at what is your self care. So what food are you consciously choosing to put in your body throughout the day? Because it it does have a huge impact. Mm, beautiful. Okay. And as we're looking at these three core elements, another element you'd mentioned was um, the five steps to intentional impact. And I know that there's you have these five key steps as part of the core components of your IEP method um, to really be contagious. And I would love yeah. to just start with the first element of that, which is getting clear on outcomes when it comes to the five steps for intentional impact. What does that really mean for somebody? Oh gosh, I love, I love this. So can I add in like one little footnote? Because mm-hmm. it goes underneath this. Okay. So, so with, um, for everybody listeners, if, uh, if you go and you look at like those, the, the last thing we just talked about, the, the building the energetic field, there's that physical part. There's also the mental and emotional part. And the one the, the footnote I wanted to add, Ashley, is self-kindness is self-care yeah and so one of the best ways when people say they don't have time to exercise or to do stuff for self-care i ask them okay great if you really can't create the time right now if you really can't create that space at least check in with how you're talking to yourself because that's what i find is actually even more exhausting to people is the constant negative self-talk that goes on that we're often not even aware of but it is cycling and cycling and cycling so i just wanted to add that piece in because that could be the low-hanging fruit that somebody hears this today and they go, okay, wait, hold on a second. Actually, the way I'm talking to myself is the thing that's really exhausting me. Like I want to watch my donut intake, but I also really want to pay attention to my self-talk. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add that piece in. No, I love that. I think that there's just so much to loving yourself. And you know, everybody here who listens has heard me go on before about how crazy it is that to me, sometimes self-care has been disguised as running away. Like, yeah, sometimes self-care looks like getting massages and going on a long vacation with a friend. But a lot of the times it looks like taking total responsibility for your diet and doing all the things that really kind of suck and that don't sound like a good time, but really make you be the best you possible. Um, So I, I just love this full look at what does it mean to have a strong energetic field and, you know, and it's, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. Talk to me. 
Well, and, and it's also about saying no. So I think especially, yes. you know, there, there is, you know, we talk about burnout. There, there is, you know, why are people reactive and, and burning out and all the good stuff that's happening right now? Well, there, we have a, an addiction to saying yes to things that we really don't mean yes to. And so self-care, when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. When you say yes to saying no something, you're saying no to something else. So it's really important to be present enough to understand, all right, what are my yeses and what are my no's? And how does that tie into my physical well-being, my mental well-being, my emotional well-being, and what I can actually do as a leader in terms of creating an um, impact in my life. Mm. So that's another act of self-care is the ability to say no, like really say no. Okay, so this actually gets me excited to ask you a question for everybody. I think <laughs> anybody who's listening has probably been on a phone call at work where they're realizing like five minutes in or two minutes into the call, like, oh, this call doesn't have to be on my calendar. This is uh -huh. a waste of time. Uh -huh. And um, I know that there's so many of you listening that you stayed on the phone and you sat uh -huh. through that whole call. It wasn't valuable to you. It wasn't valuable to them. Or maybe they were making you a sales pitch and you knew you weren't going to buy, like whatever it is. Uh -huh. And this is such an opportunity to say no and have that extra hour on your calendar to like do something else. Um, how do you, do you have any suggestions, Anise, for someone who is um, looking to build that strong energetic field, looking to make an impact and struggling with that piece of saying no, like how do you vocalize your no when it comes to something small like that? Great. Oh gosh, I love that question. Okay, so I would first for that meeting, let's just take that meeting because that's such a good example because here's the thing, playing, playing your scenario out, now we've all stayed on the call, I haven't been helpful, I'm now exhausted. I'm going to take that exhausted energy to my next meeting. It's contagious. Like it's just, we could go on and on and on. Right. So yeah. nobody's winning. Nobody's winning by you saying yes. When you really are a no, nobody yeah. wins. Yeah. Nobody wins. Um, so in that case, proactively, I would make sure that any meeting that's on your calendar as much as you can. And I know I'll, I'll talk proactive and reactive. So proactively, I would make sure, Hey, okay. Who's on the meeting? why what is the intention of each person being on this on this call like what what is my role going to be is, is it really important that we're all here and oh by the way do we really need an hour or can we do this in a half an hour so i would always be checking ahead of time with what is the intention of the call what you know why are the people that are on it on it mm. now if you get on that call so get that set up ahead of time and you can create agreements with your team because by the way it's not just you listen to this that doesn't want to be on that meeting, your teammates are dealing with the same issues. So a really proactive way to do it is to go back to your team and go, hey guys, look, um, I'm noticing we're having a lot of meetings. I'm noticing that it feels like we're having a lot of meetings that we don't all need to be on. Is anybody else noticing that? They're gonna go, yeah, we have a ton of meetings. It's terrible, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So you go, great, let's, let's create a process. Let's create some kind of an agreement around how we wanna design our meetings moving forward. Like what is our criteria? And then you guys can come up as group criteria. So then it just becomes a part of your cultural norm that you have agreements for when you do and don't have meetings and who's gonna be on them. Mm -hmm. So that's proactive. Mm -hmm. um, the reactive side of that would be I'm on a meeting and I'm realizing five minutes in that there's really no, like I can feel it. It's I'm not supposed to be there. I might gracefully and with care say something to the effect of, Hey, you guys, I just want to check in on process here. I'm noticing we're scheduled for the next hour. I'm noticing that this is what we're talking about. How can I be most helpful? I'm not sure that this, I'm not sure I can be as helpful. Like, is it, is it helpful for me to be on this call right now? What, what can, how can I be most helpful to you guys on this call right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of 
sometimes just saying that with the intention. This is where the intention piece comes in. If the intention is, I want to get off this call because I want to be able to call with you guys. Like, if that's the intention, like, I want to get out of here because I just don't feel like being it. If that's the intention, the energy I'm putting off is not going to be very invitational. It's going to create resistance. However, if my intention is, you know what, I want to be the most helpful possible. And I also want to make sure that we all optimize our time. If that's my intention, I'm coming from a very clean place, I can check in and the energetic presence of that is going to create more of an invitation for people to go, oh, you know what, Anise, actually, we probably don't need you on this call. Or, gosh, you know what, we just had one question for you. We we're going to ask you 45 minutes in, you know, how many donuts do we need tomorrow? Like, then we're done. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I would do that. I would just name like, do I need to be on this call? When I, when people are on sales calls and I know I, I had somebody call me the other day and I said, Hey, and I knew they were trying to sell me something. I said, Hey, I so appreciate the work that you're doing. And I so appreciate that you're going to give me this whole thing. And I want to save you some time. I know for sure I'm not going to be purchasing this product. So I just, I want to save you the time of it. And he goes, Oh wow. Thank you so much for not letting me go on and on and on. Hmm. Versus a long time ago, I would have sat in pain listening because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Mm, yeah, it's like, and I, I had, it's funny, I'm asking you this because as you know, we're literally working out all of my issues at the expense or joy of all of you U-Turners listening. I listened, I, I had a, it was, it was all part of my flurry of a morning, Anise, where um, first it was a podcast interview with a guy I didn't have chemistry with. Then it was um, a phone call to prepare for another podcast interview and this guy just wasn't a fit for the show. And he just kind of got in through the woodworks. Like it was just one yeah. of those situations where somebody put it on the counter and the guy was so nice, but he just wasn't a match. And mm-hmm. I kept asking him, Hey, you know, um, what would be your topic? And I'm not sure if that's a fit. Can you give me another topic? And we just couldn't get anywhere. And I kept trying yeah. to end the call saying, Hey, maybe this isn't a match. Do you want to circle back to me when you have a topic within this realm? Love to hear from you in the future. Yeah. And he just kept wanting the call to go on. So I would love your feedback. What is the most direct, like, goodbye, um, this is done kind of thing? Because you know how you're like, how can I be the most helpful? Sometimes people don't get the message. And I'm sure so many U-Turners listening right now are like, yeah, I tried to get off the phone this week with somebody who it just was like the end of the call for me. And they kept wanting to go on. So how do you kindly be direct? Like, hey, I don't think this is a match. Great. Okay, great. So um, one thing that you're pointing to is the power of naming it. Yeah. So this applies to everything we're talking about here where it's, you're just being really, you know, so being on that meeting that we don't want it, that, that doesn't seem like the best use, just naming that discomfort and that unease, like as soon as we name something, it brings it into the light and then it loses all of its secret powers of discomfort. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, even the podcast you had this morning, that was a little bit funky, possibly depending on how you were feeling, how he's feeling. I'm always a fan of just going, you know what? this feels a little bit off. Let's stop for a second and just take a deep breath. And is this feeling okay to you? Like, do you need anything to make, like, what, what, how can I be a better colleague to you right now or whatever? So, so naming that the energy is off in a meeting is another leadership skill that can often shift the dynamic. Not always, not always, but sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the piece that you're talking about with being able to get off that call gracefully. Um, again, there's a proactive and a reactive. So the proactive is, I'm a big fan of at the beginning of the call saying, you know what? Okay, let's talk. We're going to talk for 20 minutes. I have a hard stop at 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I set the expectation ahead of time. Or if I have a, you know, somebody wants to uh, think through an idea with me and they're like, oh, can I, 
um, pick your brain, which I'm not a big fan of brain mm-hmm. picking. I always feel so grossed out when I hear that, but, yeah. um, I'll say, no, you can't pick my brain. However, I will think with you on this. I'll think with you on it for five minutes. Let's, let's talk for five minutes. And then it's your job to hold the container of that. Now that's, that's proactive. If you go reactive and you're on, you're like, oh my gosh, this call will not end. Yeah. I would probably just name that. I would just say, you know, it's been good talking to you. I'm sorry that we didn't get where we wanted to go. This doesn't feel like it's a fit. And I actually am going, I need to complete this call right now because I have some other things I need to attend to. That's and so, so it's beautiful. Just, and what do you think yeah. it is about people who judge that as being like unpleasant or what are your thoughts about that as an expert on being contagious? Because I think sometimes there's so much judgment that will come from somebody who kind of knows what they want or how they want to navigate their time. Yeah. Oh, you mean somebody would, so if you said that they, or if I said that they would think I was like a terrible person. For totally. Cause I think that's the fear. I think that's the fear <laughs> yeah. for a lot of people, especially in the workplace is like, yeah. they want to be liked, they want to be pleasant. They're afraid it's going to show up in their bank account. If they're not like, there won't be a raise yeah. or, so how do they yeah. stand in that power and like honor their life and their well being while also naming it like that? Oh, I so get it. Um, so, so the thing is, is that again, it comes back to me. It always comes back to what's the intention behind what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I can say that it, there's two parts here. The reason why I can say that is because I am so clear on my intention that, um, I'm, I'm here to have a certain amount of impact. Like this is the impact I want to have. And I know that this phone call is actually not going to help create that impact. I'm also clear that I want to be in service of this individual and I don't want to, mm-hmm. um, lead them on as the wrong, the, it, it's, it's not the right thing. It's the only thing I can think of right now, but I don't want to, have any more of their time of them thinking that I'm going to go down a different path with them. Um, so my intention is very clear. My intention for what I want, I want clean communication and I want to be free so I can go and live the rest of my life. That's a clean intention. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the other part of that is that if, so if my energy is good saying that to them, I'm more likely to be able to do that clean. And then here's the thing. If they think I'm a jerk for that, it's really none of my business what they think of me. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a really important thing is that we cannot compromise our well-being um, to please other people so that they don't think we're jerks. Yeah. Yep. You know, and so if somebody thinks I'm a jerk because I just held a boundary and I'm actually coming from a really clean, intentional place and they think I'm a jerk, I have no control over that. I'm not going to let that design me. Mm-hmm. Now, where that's a little tricky is let's just say I'm on that call and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this guy is such a dork. I can't believe it. I've got a ton of judgment for him. And I'm like thinking, you know, like I'm just judging him and I'm, I'm not being, you know, energetically kind. And I come from that place. I'm like, I got to get off this call. Well, then he's probably going to really think I'm a jerk. And you know what? I kind of was because I'm sitting there and I'm in a state of judgment. So if instead I can get to a state of intention for impact and service, and I can connect with that energy and instead project that, I'm more likely to have a positive impact and he is more likely to get off the call and go, okay, actually that felt really clean. Yeah. Because I've had it, I've had it happen both ways, Ashton. You probably have too. It's like, you know, I've had it happen where I ended something earlier. I cut something off because the intention was really clean and it was like, okay, wow, I really appreciate that boundary. And I've also had it where I did it not so well. And then that person hurt feelings happen and I feel bad about it. And then they feel bad, you know? So yeah, and then you're kind of managing that side of it, which it's like you look right. to save your time and now you're cleaning up a mess in aisle four, you know? Right. Right. And there's, there's in contagious you, I talked, there's an entire, um, there's an entire chapter that I wrote in there about um, building your immunity for handling things just like this. And there's different, superpowers to start tapping into. One of the superpowers is actually, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. Another superpower is, 
you know, um, again, staying connected to your, your intention for impact. And the other one is like staying in your own lane. And so I, I find like in that, you know, in that, in that, in anything, a graceful no that comes from a place of positive intent is usually not going to get you into too much trouble. And if it does get you into trouble, then that's actually probably not your issue to work on. That's actually something going on with them. Mm, I love that. Okay. So, and they're, might be projecting their stuff on you. Like, yeah. oh my God, she just, you know, it's like, you, you don't even know what's going on for somebody else when they start getting, when, when somebody else gets fired up about us, it's really not about us. It's something, and, and, and when we get fired up about somebody else, it works, it works human beings together, right? So yes. if I get really ticked off at somebody because he just told me no, that's not his problem. That's my work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what you're, what you're saying, it, it really, um, it is the definition of working on yourself because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are listening right now, I, I always hear that term of you need to do the work and you need to work on yourself. And I agree. And I know that most people in this population probably are wondering, what does that really mean? Do the work? Like it sounds so Mm -hmm. nebulous. That's Mm -hmm. the work, right? When somebody's projecting their world onto you and you're able to stay in your lane, keep your side of the street clean and say, I'm not going to make what they're telling me mean anything about me. I'll inquire into it. If anything lands and feels true, I'll look at that, but I'm not going to just believe everything they're saying more than me, the person I've spent my whole life with. Right. That's right. That's right. That's, that's the work. The work is to stay present to yourself to be your own best friend, to be really honest with yourself and to continue to get curious about the things that you and I are talking about and to have agency with yourself. Like that, the the work, it keeps coming back. Like this is the work. The Mm -hmm. work's actually really simple. It's just sometimes a little bit tedious to stay in it. Yeah. Isn't it? So, well, (laughs) you know, totally. And it is tedious and it's work. I mean, gosh, by definition. And you know, going back to your five steps of intentional impact, you said, get clear on your outcomes, which feels really straightforward. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the second step was getting clear on the emotional impact to have. So um, tell me a little bit more just about these for everybody who's kind of taking notes when they want to be contagious and make an impact. You bet. Yeah. You bet. Okay. So yeah, the outcomes, it's just, it's, it's straightforward. It's two or three things or one thing that you want to make sure happens as a result of this conversation, this meeting, whatever. And this could be for anything. This could be for a business meeting. This could also be for, I've had people use this in going through divorce with their mediators. So, you know, anything, what are the, what is the outcome you want from this particular conversation? That's one. Two is what is the emotional impact, which to me is gold. And that is how do you want the other person to feel, you know, how, how, how do you want the other person to experience you? How do you want them to feel? And then also, how do you want to feel? So if I'm giving someone feedback, I want them to feel cared for. I want them to feel like I'm in service of them. I want them to feel heard. I want them to feel believed in. And I personally want to feel uh, useful. I want to feel helpful. I want to feel present. So I'm, I'm, it is worth spending a few minutes to really think about what is the emotional impact I want to have here. That's the second one. The third thing to look at is how am I going to have to show up in order to create those outcomes and that emotional impact? So with that feedback, I'm going to have to show up as present. I'm going to have to show up with my phone put away. I'm going to have to, it might have to do with what I'm wearing that day. Uh, I'm going to have to show up as curious. Like it's, you got to look at what that means for you, but it's like, how am I going to have to actually be present and show up in my physical and my mental presence in order to create those outcomes and that impact? Um, and then the fourth step 
is believe. What will I have to actually believe in order to make this happen? So what is the, what is the thing I need to believe about this person that I'm giving the feedback to? Um, you know, and it's gotta be an honest belief. So for example, if I'm giving feedback to somebody and we're having, I'm having a really hard time with them in the relationship, I, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm going to give them feedback and I'm going to tell them that I think they can really do a good job with this, but I don't really believe that when I'm saying that to them, they're going to pick up on my incongruency and they're not going to trust me. And so the feedback's not going to have the impact I want. So instead what I want to do is I want to find what is the littlest truth I can believe or what is the littlest thing I can believe that will support them? And the belief might be, I believe this person's a human being and I do care about their well-being. I actually don't believe they can do a good job with this. And I might then tell them that and be really congruent. Mm-hmm. So that's the belief thing is golden. It is the thing that people try and skip over. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, I believe they're great. Uh, hold on a second. Do you? Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's fine. But let's get really honest about what's going on and what is it that you can believe. And everybody can believe that another person is a human being who deserves to be treated as a human being. So at a minimum, we can go there. Um, and then the fifth step is what actions will I have to actually take? You know, so well, I've got to schedule the meeting. I've got to have my, I've got to do pre-work to make sure the feedback's organized. Um, and then I'm going to follow up with them afterwards. So the actions part is the easiest of them all. Um, but those, the emotional impact and the beliefs piece, those two number steps two and four are gold. Okay. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So um, I know you student-like types uh, like me, you're writing it all down. So five steps to intentional impact. One, get clear on outcomes. Two, get clear on emotional impact. Three, get clear on how you got to show up to have that impact. I love that you're just talking about the simple things like putting yourself in a way, being present. These, mm-hmm. This kind of intentionality is so powerful and, and it's so interesting how much we go into autopilot and don't stop and think, wow, if I take my phone off the table, it might do something for this conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have so much control over it. Here's the other thing. You know, people walk around thinking they don't have a lot of control over the impact. They're gonna, that's not, we have a ton. We might, we don't have control of anything. Like the only thing we have, the only thing I have control of is myself. Like that is it. Mm-hmm. However, however, I do have control over the littlest things I do that do make an impact. So like you just said, like putting the phone away, people don't realize I'm sure you've seen this, like they've done studies where they've said, if you put a, if there's a cell phone on the table, the level of intimacy and communication decreases by like 70% or something when people are out at dinner. Oh my gosh. Because they, just the thing, it's a third entity. And so little things like that. Sorry, I broke your flow. You were like rolling with the five steps. No, no, excited. no. There's really no bro- breaking of this flow. I, I'm I'm a perfect <laughs> ADHD. Like I will go with you wherever you want me to oh, go. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you, well, you were on show up and like the littlest things, how we have control of them. So then keep going. So yeah. Four was. Well, you know what? I just have the top component of the IAP method, which is the ability to reboot my presence in the moment. Okay, Anise? <laughs> 
<laughs> You're nailing it. You're super nailing it. Yeah. Nailing well, it. so, okay, going back to this role, um, number four on the five steps to intentional impact was what do you need to believe in order to show up the way you want? I love this because so many people want to not be someone else, but be somewhere else. And mm. when you kind of look at wanting to be somewhere else, the truth of the matter is that you need to embody your next level, which looks a lot mm-hmm. of the time like someone else almost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, nice. And so I, I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear from you, what does that really look like on a deeper level? Because I think a lot of people think in theory, okay, yeah, I need to believe other things, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just believe what I believe. How do I unbelieve it? Well, are you, well, are you talking about, about yourself or about other people? Either or. It could be about what you believe about other people and that's keeping you from having the intentional impact or whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm so I'm a fan of a couple things. One is getting really curious about beliefs under the beliefs. Mm -hmm. So um if I'm okay, let's take George. I always call George is my pick on person. Let's just say I'm giving George that feedback and I don't believe that George is capable of doing this job that I'm giving feedback on. Um then I might get curious and go, okay, well, Anise, what would you need, what would need to be true in order for me to believe that about George? So that's going to open up another area of information for me to look at, okay, well, what do I need to, like, what would need to be true? And that's going to give me more wisdom to start looking at how can I be more helpful to him? Mm-hmm. So looking at getting curious about the beliefs underneath the beliefs and what would actually have to be true in order for you to believe that there's, there's a gold mine in there most often. Um, the other thing is I'm a really big fan of, borrowing a belief sometimes, especially if it's, you know, I, I need to believe I'm about, let's just say I'm about to go and give this huge talk and all this, and I'm super, super nervous about it. And, oh my gosh, who am I? Like, maybe I've got the imposter syndrome and, oh my gosh, they're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm going to talk about, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe for a moment I need to believe, I need to, to, to act as if I am like this amazing, you know, whatever belief I need to hold about myself. Maybe I just want to borrow that belief for just a moment and build that into my reboot so that it gives me a moment of experiencing that energy so I can embody it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Do, does, does that track? Yeah, that makes that? sense. Yeah. It kind of lines up with some of the career advice I have for a lot of people who are struggling to find their purpose is that a lot of the times they think it's some sort of mental construct or answer that's going to float through their head when right. I found the truth of the matter is it's about circumstance. It's about asking yourself, where do I need to go? Where do I need to be to get into that state that I know um, gives me the answers that I need. Yes, 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 yes. I love what you just, yes, it's the state. So, so what do I, so, so what is it I need to believe to get into that state that then if I can get into that state, that's going to give me more access to what I actually need to um, practice more of so I can believe that authentically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and an easy example of this is I have a lot of entrepreneurial friends and we get together once a month and we have this whole little gathering and we'll talk. And mm-hmm. I noticed that because I'm in that circumstance surrounded by a bunch of people who have big brains uh, about business, my brain gets bigger. I start to believe different things. Right. And right. that, that's it right. right there in practice. So it can come right. from who you surround yourself with. It could come from the places you choose to go. But if you want to up your game and believe something different, ask yourself who, who believes things this way? Who, who thinks this way? Who can I go hang out with to rub on me? Literally. Absolutely. Here's, here's another hack for that is get clear, get connected to the intention of service. Hmm. So if I, if we take that talk or somebody in your audience is going for another, a a big job and they're like, whoa, I I don't know if I can do this and blah, blah, blah. Okay. When I'm in that place of, I don't know if I can do that and who am I to do this and I don't know if I'm the right person. 
I'm actually all about me. It's me, 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 me focus. That's a very tricky place to get stuck. So one of my favorite hacks for that is to go, what, hold on a second. What is my intention here for service? How do I want to contribute in this next role? Like, how is it, who do I want to serve? How do I want to, um, you know, what, what is it like, what, if, if I'm going out to speak this, I'll, I'll use myself right now. If, if I'm going out to speak and I'm a little bit nervous, that's all about me. So my way to get out of that is to take a nice deep breath to do a reboot and to go, okay, hold on a second. Who is this audience? How can I best contribute to them? What do they need? What is my intention of service here? The minute I'm connected with the intention of service and I'm back, that I'm back in that portal of purpose, which means now I am going to automatically start to believe things that are important in order to support me and having the impact I want to have. If I do that enough, I will generate my own belief system that will support me and I won't even realize that it would have happened. I will just become that person. So yeah, so intention of service, that is you get clear on your intention, what you want to create and you get clear about serving other people. Your imposter syndrome goes away. Like all these other pieces that we often get stuck in, me, 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 that stuff becomes very quiet because we're connected to our intention and to being in service of others. And impact, which is, I mean, just this impact. whole thing of the five steps to inten intentional impact. And um, the, the fifth thing you talk about is getting clear on what you have to do. So yeah. I know this sounds so obvious, but it's really not, you know, like I know a lot of people yeah. are kind of in operation mode, but they haven't really thought about their job. For example, let's say that the intentional yeah. impact they want to make is they look, they go through the steps and step number one is the outcome is that they want to get a raise. And, you know, the emotional impact they need to have is they need to make their boss feel a little more peaceful. And they think about, you know, for themselves, they want to feel empowered. Um, and maybe they get clear on how they want to show up to create that and what they need to believe. Uh, but maybe they haven't thought about, well, what are the things you actually have to go and do? So um, can you tell me a little bit more about this step as it re relates to our day-to-day -day life? Oh, absolutely. So the doing, when I look at the do, I always think of it as the, the before, the during, and the after. So the before, let's just say you're going into an interview. What are you going to do before so that you are really, really prepared? So you're going for that job interview. Do you have the stats you need? Do you have like, have you, have you done your homework basically? So I would get really clear and I, I, and I, this is a practice that I have that we actually have a thing called the IEP sheet and I will sit down every single morning. I've been building this work for 20 years. I still do this for myself. I will sit down every morning and I will go, all right, I actually need to do, what do I need to do? What is my next step? Oh, my next step is I need to um, look at these five points on page 42 of this book or whatever it is. So get clear on your before, then look at your during what's actually happening during that conversation. Um, what, you know, what are you going to have to do? Well, I'm going to have to ask questions. I'm going to have to ask for the job. If I want the business or the raise or whatever, I'm actually going to have to ask. Mm -hmm. That is a, that is something that people take for, like, we don't think about it. Don't take anything for granted, like really map it out. And then afterwards, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to follow up. Mm -hmm. You're going to follow up. You're going to send a thank you letter. You're going to, um, you know, what, whatever it might be. In any case, you're going to go a before, during, and an after. Great. Okay. And um, there's another topic, and I love kind of that we're slowly closing in on this, is burnout. So mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people out there who um, want to reboot their presence. They want to build a strong energy field, all of these components of the IEP method. They want to follow these five steps to making an impact, and they're going to end up burnt out if they either miss some of these, don't tune into them, 
whatever have you. And there's so many layers of disconnection that that comes from. And I would just love to hear just general thoughts from you on burnout, whether it's some research that you did or um, just getting into these steps. Yeah. So, okay. So the, um, the, the thing with the burnout, there's, there's P's and I'm always big on like finding, um, matching letters and they always seem to evolve really beautifully, but there's four, I found there's seven P's of burnout, which we don't need to go into every single one of them, but there are four of them that if we can address these four, this will alleviate burnout. So the first P is when we disconnect from presence or the pause. So we've been talking about that. You know, the reboot is reconnecting to presence. So if you're doing your reboots, this will help you a lot. But the, that first P is disconnection from presence and the pause. Um, taking that moment in between meetings, taking that moment at the end of your day, um, giving yourself the space in between your meetings, giving yourself the space to just be with yourself. So that's that's the first one. What I find is that we're often moving so quickly that we're not, you know, we're saying yes to everything because we're not present. And so this whole conversation has led up to this, to this P really is like, you know, if you can practice what we've been talking about on this, on this, in this episode and like really look at, all right, I'm going to start building in pauses really proactively and I'm going to be more and more present right there. Like it's impossible for me to be burnt out in the present moment because I'm actually here. There's nothing exhausting going on if I'm here in this very moment. Mm. So that's the first P. Mm. I love that. I love that argument. Like there's really nothing exhausting going on if you're really here. I don't know. It's so hard because I think about people who have been really, um, something about them is like really tiresome. It's rare. I really, I Mm -hmm. generally really enjoy humans, but every Mm -hmm. now and again, there's someone that you're like, there's something about the way you're talking or relating to me that I'm really tired. How do you get out of that and get into the present moment enough to no longer feel that? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the reason why we've got building a strong energetic field because the stronger my energetic field is, the less likely I am to match that energy. Uh, What you're talking about when you're talking about, when you're talking to someone and you start to feel tired, that means you're energetically dropping to their level of vibration. Wow. The strongest, so the lowest vibration, here's the rule lowest vibration will win unless you are really good at holding your state, which is why it is essential to be able to reboot your presence. It is essential to build that strong field and take care of yourself. And it is essential to be able to create intentional impact. Mm, that is so great. Okay. And, uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they're buying into the belief that there's no space for them and maybe they have really demanding jobs and they're scared they're going to lose their job if they slow down at all. I had a client the other day tell me she's a woman who just gave birth and she works full time from 8.45 a.m. to 7 p.m. she gets home mm. and um, they want her to be on email when she gets home, but she has a baby she needs to feed. And they, she told them like, Hey, and I'm pretty sure it's probably illegal. She let them know, like, I can't be on email right when I get home. I have to feed my baby, put it to bed. Mm. And they were like, we really, the business really needs you to be on email. So Mm. what do you suggest for people who are not being permitted by their circumstance, by work other than leave your Mm. job? I mean, obviously that's just not a healthy job, but how can they find presence in the small moments of their day to day? Right. Oh, such a, well, I appreciate that question. It's such a real question. I, um, 
So a couple of things, right. Like you said, there is, there is, they could leave their job. It does, you know, unfortunately it does come to that. I, I have seen what you're talking about before. And sometimes it does come down to, Hey, you know what? I'm actually going to choose my well being over working with this company because I've done everything I can and it's not healthy for me. So that, that is one option, as you just mentioned that in the meantime, before you get to that point, I always invite people to really look at, all right, can't, how can you co-design that with your work? Uh, or with your boss or whoever, even more effectively where you sit down and go, look, here's the impact of this. So I would, so in that situation, I would play with doing my five steps to intentional impact for the conversation with my boss. I'd go through and go, what's the impact I want to have? What, you know, what is the outcomes, et cetera. So I'd go through what we, what you and I just went through, Ashley. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to my boss and I'd say, look, I want to do a really good job for you. I really care about this job. If I, if that's true, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And I would say, here's the impact though, that happens for me when I have to be on all the time. It's actually compromising my well-being. It's compromising my time with family. I'm actually not as productive. So can we please, let's look at how we might redesign this together. Because to me, that's actually sounds like in that case, that sounds like a cultural issue more than just that one person and that, and her boss or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I, so, so that's, that's one is like, can you proactive, can you go and have a really honest conversation where you, where you talk about the impact that that behavior is actually having that, you know, it could be so much more, you could be so much more effective if you actually took time to pause. There's, there's research out there showing like, we're not good when we are going and going and going and going. We do not have our best resources. There's no way we can lead our best from burnout or exhaustion. And so I would bring that conversation. The other piece, if you know, with, or, or instead is to keep finding little moments throughout. So even I get home from the office and now I'm going to go be with my baby. Can I sit in my car for a minute, Mm. do a quick reboot or a bubble up and just be with myself and gather myself because I can make a minute feel like an hour if I'm really present and in my body and letting go of what's going on in my brain. A lot of times what I find is the reason why there's no presence and pausing is because people's brains are going nonstop. And I, I, you know, I don't, I saw this the other day, like we have 66,000 thoughts a day, only about a third of them are any new and the majority of them are negative. It's Mm -hmm. like a constant cycling. And so disciplining ourselves in that case, like, let's just say she's got to be at that job. Her boss isn't going to change. It's non-negotiable, et cetera, et cetera. Finding little moments of space in the cracks, you know, in the car before she goes into the house. Um, when my kids were little, I used to go hide in my closet for two minutes. I'd be like making dinner. I'd be like, mom's going to be right back. I'd go hide in my closet and do a quick reboot just so I could gather myself back out. Mm-hmm. So I'd go and be fully present with my kids. So it's finding little things like that. And then watching the self-talk and the amount of mental cycles we're spending, stressing and being pissed off about whatever the situation is. Because yes. if somebody was telling me I had to be on email all the time, I would be very tempted to be thinking about that a lot and exhausting myself even more because I found that so irritating. Yeah, it's really crazy. The world we live in, time is actually speeding up with the amount of technology and the demands. You know, your second uh, P of burnout, so the first one for you guys who are taking notes is disconnecting from presence in the pause. The second one is disconnecting from purpose. So what does that mean? I know I really resonate with that because I have found there's a lot of people who come into my career coaching practice and they'll say, I'm, I have no energy for my, for my life. And really it's like, you don't lack energy. You just lack purpose because when you feel like there's purpose, it's like this well of energy comes out of nowhere and you're just motivated to do, do, do. Yeah, for sure. So, so, so if you, so I, I, if you think about, I, I know people who work 
60, 70 hours a week and they've got a ton of energy and people are like, Oh my gosh, how do they do it? They, you know, they've got, um, they get back to their email, you know, they respond to their own email. They're, uh, they, you know, they're, they're, they're fully like they're on fire and nobody can understand how they're doing what they're doing. And then I know people who work 40 hours a week and who are actually totally burnt out. You know, they work nine to five, they get their yoga in every day, they see their family, they get their workouts and they're doing all the stuff we're talking about, except for they're, they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those two people, what I find most often is, yes, the self-care piece is can be a component of the burnout, absolutely. But what is more often happening is the people who are working 40 hours a week that are totally fried, they're usually have disconnected from purpose and why they're doing what they're doing in the first place. Yeah. And it is so easy to disconnect from purpose because we get busy and we lose presence and we lose connection with ourselves and we stop being our own best friend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then before you know it, we're disconnected from um, why we started this company in the first place or why we took this job in the first place or why we decide to marry this person or whatever it might be. We want to come back and connect with the why and what's important. And I think it's really important to note that we outgrow our purposes. And so it's important. I mean, not everybody, some people stay with the same purpose their whole life. But what I notice is as we grow our purpose and what will keep us most awake and alive also has to grow. And mm-hmm. so sometimes when somebody's hitting burnout, they've had a really successful career. I'll go, okay, wait, hold on a second. This is where you were when you began. This was your purpose then. But actually, what's current? Like, let's get current now and see what's here. And that often is a wake up. Yeah, it's almost like a piece of software that was working really well. And now it's got a bunch of bugs. It needs a little update. It's so helpful. We need need, need our iOS updates. Just, Just like our iPhones need our updates, we need to update our own systems. And this is part of, you know, to your point earlier about doing the work. Doing the work means you're updating your own system. Yes. Okay. And um, the third P of burnout you said was disconnecting from people. Um, I love this one. It's interesting because I think this moves. Like sometimes people can feel like they're disconnected from some people and totally connecting to others. What does this really mean? Yeah, to me, so to me, the people one is a couple layers. One is uh, connecting from people knowing that we have our tribe. So it's, uh, staying connected to people being, you know, my family, my friends that I have support. I find that a lot of times when we get going so fast, we isolate and then we disconnect from people and we forget that we can ask for help. I think that, um, being seen by another human being is one of the most important, uh, needs that we have. And so if we're disconnecting from people, we're disconnecting from being seen and seeing each other. That I believe is a huge component of burnout. The other piece of that is, um, disconnecting from people and forgetting why you're, this ties back to purpose, which is who you're doing your work in service of. Like, who is the human being that your job actually impacts? You know, an example of this is somebody who's working really, really hard and they're not pausing. So we're going to, they're going to get all the P's, right? So they're not pausing. They've disconnected from purpose because they're going so fast. And now they're working so hard in their job, they don't even remember why they started the job in the first place. If you can sit down and think about, all right, well, George, what, who are the people that you working in this job? Who are the people this is impacting? And George goes, oh my gosh, my wife, my kids, I keep a roof up. important to me. Now we start to get connected again to the people on the other side of that purpose. And that starts to bring, in my mind, the human spirit alive again. So beautiful and so true. Okay. And 
When we look at pain and pleasure, that's the fourth P of burnout is disconnecting from pain and pleasure. I love this one because I know that so many people think that if they want to avoid pain, they can just turn off that switch. But it's that same switch of feeling things that blocks pleasure in their life too. So what feedback can you give everyone as these four P's of burnout go into this fourth one of disconnecting from pain and pleasure? Yeah, it's, um, well, it, it, they, they all build, right? They're so, everything is so, every, every, it's so funny that everything you and I are talking about today on this call is so divine and so inner, so interlinked because the, the pain one, what I find is that, especially when people get busy with their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, that, that they, um, there, there's a belief that happens, which is like, oh, well, I don't have time to be angry or I don't have time to be human or I'm feeling really scared right now. I don't have time for that. And so, they don't allow the full authentic emotion. That's really what the pain one is. It's, it's, do you allow yourself your full permission for authentic emotion? So do you allow yourself to be in pain, to be angry, to be hurt, to be scared, to be whatever is going on for you a hundred percent. And do you get yourself the support, whether that support is of friends, of a coach, of a therapist, of whoever it might be, do you allow yourself full connection to your pain? And do you allow your, do you get yourself support so you can process it and let it, you know, and let it move with you and through you and all that good stuff. And the more that you can allow to pain, the more you have access then to your pleasure. You can't, it's like, if we can't, if, if we keep uh, suppressing pain with just pleasure, 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 it's like a spiritual bypass and it's not that pleasure. We're not, we're only going, we're, we can only go as far in our pleasure as we are, allow ourselves to go with our pain. Oh, okay. Well, I know you have a contagion factor formula. I know that it might be elaborate, but what can you teach us about it as we close out and complete? Because I think for everybody who's buying the book, Contagious You, it could be fun to kind of hear a little bit more about this formula you have. You bet. Okay. So contagious factor, this is new. So this is when I wrote Contagious Culture a couple of years ago, I did not have a contagion factor yet. Since Contagious Culture, as I've been doing this work more and more with all human beings, like it doesn't matter the industry or their role or gender or age even. Here's what I found is a contagion factor. The contagion factor is you take any action you're doing, um, you take your action, and then underneath that action, we want to look at your emotion that is going with it times your intention. And we can break this down further in a second if you want. But Mm -hmm. your emotion times your intention over your level of self-care times your presence. And so there's four things on the bottom of the, of the fact of the contagion factor. And if you put those four things underneath your action, those all together will equal how contagious your impact will be in uh, terms of how far will it reach, how positive or negative will it be, and how likely are you to get the result that you actually want. All right. Well, so maybe we can use it as an example, the U-turn book, like the action that I've taken so far was writing the book. Yep. Great. Perfect. The, the emotion that I had was, um, connection and, um, I don't know, like being moved, feeling a lot. Okay. okay. And my intention is to get it out there for people who, you know, eventually when it comes out in a year or whatever it is for people who really need the career advice that's in there. Um, so how would I do the formula, your action over your emotion times your intention? Okay. So the action, we'll just take it really, really broad. Cause you could, you could, we could distill, we could distill this down like to 10 different levels. Let's just go super broad with this one. So there's your book. So your action was you wrote your book. 
the emotion underneath was you had the emotion of connection. You had the emotion of um, care, Did, you know, the emotion of care. Um, what, what, talk to me a little bit more about other emotions that you had when you were writing the book. Um, I, like, I, I would say happiness, sadness. I mean, I felt the full yeah. range of my humanity as I was reading Great. it. Okay. Beautiful. All right. So now, now we multiply that emotion times your intention. So your intention, you said the intention was to get the book out to people, but actually I believe there's a bigger intention that's even more powerful than that. Like what, what is the bigger intention that was at play for you in writing that book? Like why um, get that out to so many people? I think on a impact note, it's to help a lot of people get clarity in their career because there's so many people in pain in their career. Yeah. And on a personal note, it's to like take ownership of the truth for me, which is that I'm a writer. Oh, okay. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. So even if we just go with your intention, basically your intention of service, your intention is to put something good into the world that helps other human beings. Yeah. All right, great. So now you've got a really powerful, that's a powerful combination so far. Care multiplied by the intention of service. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's really nice and strong. Now the next level we want to look at is your level of self-care times your level of presence. So how, how would you, how would you say like in terms of your self-care as you're writing the book, how was your self-care throughout that? Um, the way that I practiced self-care when I was writing the U-turn book was I cleared my calendar so that, because I know that when I have calls, I'm not as, um, creative after the day. Nice. Nice. And so the way I did, I cleared my calendar. Um, that's why I'm here with you on the podcast. Now that I've written the book, I'm doing back at the podcast Yay. and, um, I spent full days writing and really enjoyed it. I was so present. Like I loved everything about the process. Okay. Well, there you go. So you got, so your self-care was lovely. So your self-care was high because you can look at this as descriptors. So you could even give it numbers. You could be like, all right, on a scale of zero to 10, my self-care, like, let's just do it for fun. Zero to 10. How was your self-care? Zero is, it was terrible. 10 was like, it was pristine. Mm, I would say nearly a 10 when I was writing okay. it. Right okay, now great. it's like not so good. Cause I'm like overworking <laughs> to pay off for the time. <laughs> oh, I get you on that one. All right, good. Okay, so there's your 10. Now look at your presence. So what would you rate your presence at? Zero to 10. Zero, not present, 10. Like, oh my God, off the charts. Yeah, I would say nine to 10 when I was writing the book for sure. Okay, great. So if you look at that, like your numbers all came out high. So this book then should be positively contagious, should have a nice ripple effect, um, you know, and it's more likely going to have the result that you want. But here's what's even more important in the book. It's looking at you. In that. So you as the author of the book, like we could look at the book and we can go, all right, well, I'm sure it's going to do lovely. I'm actually more interested from a contagion factor of you as author, especially as you're stepping into being a writer and really claiming this, of, I'm a writer, you as a leader in the world, you with your platform, your contagious factor to me is going to be much higher because of the way that you managed and navigated working through that book. Mm. And I'm, I'm guessing that the book will be even better because you gave yourself the gift of making sure those four things, especially the two. So the, the two bottoms, self-care and presence, that's really for you. Emotions and intention, that's really in service of other people a lot. Like that has more impact on other people than self-care and presence. Do, do you follow? It's like, yeah. it's a, there's like a bunch of different levels with that equation. But, and I talk about that in the book, but that to me, what's interesting about that formula in this example is that it's about you being contagious as a thought leader and as a writer, period. Mm, okay. This has been 
so good. And those of you who are writing the contagion formula, she was talking about how it's your actions over your emotions times your intentions Mm -hmm. over your self-care times your presence, which I really look at mine and I think, yeah, like everything about this book for me, I was in an energy of being all in and I was in a all in with myself and my well-being. I I just wanted to write gives me so much energy. So um, Anise, this has been amazing. Tell us where everybody can find you and they could buy their copy of Contagious You and what the release date is. Okay, great. So you guys, everyone can find me at anisecavanaugh.com. Um, you can also download, we've, we've created like a really fun kit of stuff for people at iep.io. So you can get that. It's got like the IEP sheet on it. It has virtual presence kits. It's got a quick start kit. It's got all, a ton of stuff. So iep.io um, and anisecavanaugh.com. Those are the main sites you can find me at. And then I'm out there on the social spheres like Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, and then the book comes out November 15th. It's available for pre-order now. So you can get it um, at, at anytime you want any, from anywhere. Amazon, Porchlight, Barnes & Noble, bookstores, Indie Reads, like all those good things. So it'll it'll drop on the 15th very, mm. very soon. Mm. Yeah. So great. Thank you so much again for your time on the show and for bringing me back to such good energy. Not that I was totally out of it, but just, you are such a light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've truly, it's been, it's been fun to talk to you about. I love the way, I love the way that we work through some of your, some of your real stuff. Like that's always such a pleasure to to dig into real things that are going on instead of just talking about everything theoretically. So thank you for that. Hey friends, it's Ash here and Anise was so healing for me to have a conversation with because I was having one of those mornings, like I'd said at the beginning of the episode, that morning where I had a guest, he came onto the show, um, he was a bit late, his technology wasn't working, it was all good for me, I was like, no problem, let's get started. And um, early into the episode, he started promoting his services really hard to the point where I know some of you guys would have messaged me and been like, hey, this is too much. Or I would probably have gotten a bad review from somebody who even knows it's all good. Um, But I remember having to interrupt him and say, hey, I'm so sorry. Um, You know, do you mind just being a little less promotional? We're going to have to edit this out. And, you know, the listeners are so sensitive to making sure they're learning. Every time I asked him a question, he would try to refer everybody out of the episode and to opt into something he had. And I'm a really big believer in everybody who's great promoting what they've got for the right people to go find it. But it was creating this like weird chemistry before I said something where I had to keep kind of dancing with this guy um, saying to him, Hey, you know, outside of your free offer, you know, that people would have to go find, what can we talk about in this episode that they can go do? And it was creating the worst rapport. Like I just didn't have a connection to him. Like I just couldn't find the connection. And I think that sometimes in life, we have one of those mornings where like nothing's going to work. The episode after him, the guest was late and I only had an hour blocked out and we were kind of rushed in the episode. And it was just one of those mornings where I was totally off my game. And I was like, wow, I'm so off my game. Like, what do I need to do to get back into gear? And it was such a reminder that when I got on with a niece and she was like, Oh, you have such good energy. It was like, Oh, how funny I was in a story that my energy was off today. And I think that that's really the work is 
sometimes we're going to have an off day and it's not about putting a smile on when things feel shitty. I'm a big believer that if things feel shitty, let yourself feel it. Let yourself be in it. It's not about marinating and indulging. It's about experiencing and allowing because what we don't allow comes to get us later anyway. So you might as well face things when they're present, right? But one of the biggest challenges that I used to have was the meaning that I would make of myself when I wasn't connecting or having chemistry with somebody. I used to think like, oh, wow, something must be wrong with me. I'm off my game. I would go into all these stories in our, my head. And I'm guessing right now, if you're listening, there's somebody probably at work right now that you don't get along with or you don't have chemistry with. And it's so easy when that happens to make it about us, to make it mean that something's wrong or that something's wrong with us or that we did something wrong or that in, alternatively that we could do something better when the truth of the matter is that you are a snowflake and you are not meant to fly with everyone. You are not not meant to bond with everyone. You know, like some friends for me feel like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Other friends for me feel like watermelon and ketchup, like totally gross, not a match. And I think the biggest gift I've given myself, and I think it's really an act of self-love truly is allowing that to be okay. Like really allowing it. And yes, I got caught up in it this morning because after two weird meetings in a row, I was like, am I weird? Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't the first one. The first one I was like, oh, how funny. I neutrally just don't have chemistry with this person. Um, but the second meeting I was like, no, something is definitely going on with me. I'm the common denominator. I need to evaluate myself this morning. And I just want to remind you how much love you could be giving yourself in the moments where you're not connecting with someone instead of making yourself wrong instead of looking for ways to please them and shift the way you're being in the world or how you talk to please them i invite you to access a higher love of yourself and really just you know evaluate anything that doesn't feel right inside of you so if you have a connection with someone and they say something and you guys don't have chemistry but maybe something they said lands Feel free to take that into consideration, but my invitation to take it even deeper is to love yourself enough to make it okay that you are not meant to get along with everyone. Like, you know, Reese's Pieces is my favorite candy in the world, and I just can't even believe that some people don't like the taste of it. But that's how their taste buds are. And, and really our connections, our chemistry with people, it's like taste buds. And, you know, some things taste good and some things don't. And so my invitation is truly for you to take a look at what relationships in your life right now, whether it's at work, whether it's in your family, whether it's with your friends, are just not working. Like when you really just look at it, it's like, oh, this, we just don't have chemistry or this doesn't feel right for me. And where are you making it mean that you need to lean into it more or you need to shift more? Because ultimately this is such a portal for you to love yourself and say, I love myself enough to make it neutral, to make it neutral that I don't have chemistry with that person. I don't really get that person. And that's okay. I actually have this with a few of my friends' partners that they've chosen where I'm like, oh, I, I just don't get your partner, but I so get you. And I'm okay with that. That's neutral. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with your partner either. Like we just don't get each other, but we can coexist. And as long as we're kind and respectful, this is going to be easy. Um, you know, I think that the greatest people out there are willing to stand in their lane and be who they are. And usually they're the people who have trolls. They create division. And 
it's just so powerful when you can love yourself enough to make it okay for you to be where you're at and who you are. And I love what Anise talks about with resilience because there's no part of me that was trying to fake a smile with her. I was really excited to be there with her. And I think that that resilience is something that I learned working in counterterrorism because there's just so much that I used to see on my computer screen. Um, emotionally, it was so hard for me that I learned the importance of the presence, like the present moment and how much joy there is if you decide to be right now. And, um, you know, just talking to her was so beautiful for me. I hope it was for you too. I think everyone has something that makes them contagious. And most importantly, it's about being connected to who you are and what you have to say and, and to really own that and make it okay for you to be different from everybody else. That is the beginning of true self-love. So where can you make it okay for you to be where you're at today? Where can you neutralize you being different and stop judging it as meaning something about you? So sending you a lot of love. I'm really appreciative that you listen and I would love to hear from you um, around just like different topics that you want me to talk about on the podcast I'd be honored to do an episode on anything that you find interesting so sending you the love talk to you soon Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.